Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cocky's Corner. I'm here today with Spencer. Spencer, you want to say hey to everybody? What's up, everybody? G Money is out tonight. Um, you know, I was going to try to make an excuse for him, but really, it just came down to it that he wanted to sleep. Um, so, <laughs> give him a hard time if y'all see him anytime soon, okay? Um, yeah, so G Money wasn't super committed tonight, but you know what? That's all right. That's all right. We love him, anyways. But, uh,. Anyways, today we're going to be talking about uh, the Missouri game from last week. Not a whole lot to talk about other than Luke Doty, so we'll be talking a lot about Doty uh, tonight. And then we'll preview the Georgia game, and we'll give you an update on the coaching search because we have not done a show since it happened, but Muschamp has finally left the building. Uh, you know, he it was one of those weird situations with him where when it happened, I wanted him gone. Y'all know that if you've been listening. When it happened, though, I felt a little bad for the guy because, I mean, yes, he got paid a ton of money, but it, it was still his head coaching job, probably the end of his head coaching career because I don't see anybody give him another chance. But that quickly started to change he a little bit. $19 million off getting fired from head coaching <laughs> position. I don't feel yeah. bad for him. Yeah. Well, that quickly changed when I began to see the culture that he had kind of started to create in our program. Um, it was. It became very apparent based off of the guys, some of the guys backing out. And some of them, listen, I had no problem with J.C. Horn. I'm backing out, honestly. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. This season's pretty much lost. I get it. Like, you don't want to risk injury. I, I, I can't really complain about that one. Some people would See, feel differently. I get that one. I get that I one. I get that one, but you got three games left. You had a free excuse at the beginning of the year. I mean... That's one of those, I can see it from both sides, but I'd be weary if I was an NFL scout too because, I mean, you're showing you're not committed to your teammates. But I can see both sides of that one. I don't really think the NFL scouts care about it too much um, because I think you look at it the other side, and he could have opted out of the whole season, and he did still play through eight games or seven games, however many he played. Um but I, mean, I don't know. I got that one. Made sense to me. He's like he's improved his draft stock this year. He, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. And he explained today too, or today or yesterday also that he had had a couple family members come down with COVID, and one of his um, grandparents had recently been put in the hospital with it, or aunt, something's like that. Somebody he had somebody, some relatives had been in the hospital with it that had come up recently. Um, so I, I think that there may have been some legit COVID concerns there as well. Uh, the other three, though, I mean, to me, they're they're quitters. Uh, they quit on their team, um, and I think that's a product of Muschamp's culture. I think he had a lot of guys that weren't really there for the team; they were there for themselves. Now, when I say a lot of guys, I don't mean the whole team. Um, I think that was kind of the way he recruited those. He recruited and built it up in a way to prepare them for the NFL, which is great, but didn't prepare them to win. I mean, we've seen guys like Brian Edwards. Javon Kinlaw, come out and say that Carolina fans should have been content with six wins a year. They're just not going to be better than that. That's the mindset he had put in these guys' heads, that at Carolina, six wins was a good year. Not acceptable. No. I mean, that's not just not the culture you acceptable. build. Acceptable. And, I mean, we're not going to go on this for too long, but we didn't have the episode last week, so we're kind of hitting these thoughts as well. But it was just it was very discouraging to see. Um, no, but I can tell you from the fan base, it is very encouraging because 20, 15, 20 years ago, six wins, seven wins a year was acceptable. The Spurrier yeah. era has changed that. I mean, I think I read it was, what, five or six boosters that all got together and pretty much backed Ray Tanner and Bob Castlin in a corner and got him fired because, I mean, the expectations at South Carolina have changed given the last 10 years with Spurrier winning. So Exactly. And that side of it has been very encouraging. And, you know, here's the thing, too. A lot of these national guys have said, well, South Carolina fans' expectations are too high. Yeah. And I, I strongly disagree with that because I don't think there's a single South Carolina fan out there that is saying that we need to win a national championship every year. No. No, we're not dumb. We're not but idiots. We know it's possible now we're not idiots what we're asking for at least what i'm asking for is for essentially to be the auburn of south carolina okay so a team that's competitive with their in-state rival beat them for, on a somewhat regular basis and i'm not saying every year 
with Clemson, with the way Clemson is right now, you're not going to be there every year. Two or three would be perfectly acceptable. Now. Right, right, right now, that I mean, yeah, just and being competitive, and we we have not been competitive with Clemson in a single game since West Champ's been here. Our closest mm-hmm. game with them, we lost by 21 points. Like that's just not acceptable. Um, and I get Clemson's good because right? the Sean Elliott one was the last game yeah. that we had that was one possession. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and that was right after we lost to the Citadel, by the way. Um, <laughs> but anyway, anyways, with that though, my expectation though is to be competitive with our NCAA rival, just like Auburn is with Alabama. Consistently win around eight games a year. Okay, that eight eight games should not be like a prime year. That should just be an average year. And then every few years, make a real run. Okay, it doesn't have to be that we're making a run at the SEC championship every single year. But every three or four, make a real run. That's about what Auburn does. They make a true run every sometimes four to five years, but they consistently stay in that eight-win area, and they prepare themselves to make a run. That's all we're asking for. At least that's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking the. I mean, if and then once you get to that point, yeah, then you try to build off of that. But right now, that's all that we have to get to. For me to be happy, when you have a coach that just got beat forty-five to three or whatever, and says, "Well, in our first three years here, we uh, beat more teams than anybody else in school history," no, like that's just you're you're building a culture where there's no accountability. You're content losing. Like you, if you get beat forty-five to three, you should come back into that press conference and say, "Yeah, you know what? I deserve any criticism you're giving to me right now. I deserve it." Don't base it on something that happened two, three years ago. No, base it off of what happened then. Sorry, I, I'm getting off on a tangent. I wasn't planning on doing this, but Muschamp has just really, really frustrated <laughs> me with the way that he's handled some of this. Um, Spencer, you got any thoughts? I'm going to keep going, if not. No, I mean, you pretty much hit it. I mean, we just we, you need a coach that is going to accept what he, I mean, you you, you got to accept defeat when it happens and bring it, it's the coach's fault. It's not the players. It's because the coaches didn't prepare him right, and that's one thing that Spurrier always did no matter where he was at, even going back to his time at Duke. When he lost the game, he would go, before the press could even ask him a question, he'd go out there and say, well, we didn't coach good, or I got out coached, or something like that. I mean, you've got to have a coach that's willing to accept responsibility because, you know, that, to me, would take some of the – it would take some of the pressure off the players just because you know your coach is going to stand up and take the blame for it. And that's just how I see it. you got to find a coach, which is, that should be one thing that is big in this coaching search, is going to find a coach that's going to stand up and take responsibility when he loses a ball game and actually tell how he's going to fix it. So Yeah, and I want to say, too, that from all accounts that we've heard, Muschamp is a great guy that truly cares for his players. Like, that part he was great about. Like, players love him. That's great. I think he's made a huge positive impact on a lot of players' lives, so that's great. Like I'm yeah, His graduation rate for his players was outstanding. Yeah, there were a lot of things that he did well as a as a coach and representative like a lot of South people Carolina. are saying that he ran a great program Sunday to Friday. <laughs> You know, and, and he did other than the culture of winning. Okay, that, that's that's throughout the week. But other than that, I think he I think he did. He prepared guys for the NFL, prepared them for life after football. I think he did a lot of great things. But as his and co- somehow he was able to mask how bad the culture was until yeah. what last week, and, and um, then it all started coming out. And and, and really, that's what it comes down to. Getting in Twitter arguments with fans. And- that's that's what it comes down to. As a as coaching philosophy, I'm not saying as a person, but his coaching philosophy. He has a loser's mentality. He he doesn't put an emphasis on winning like he should. He's okay with losing. Um, it it was just it was disheartening to see as a fan for the last heck almost five. Really, it goes back to 2018 when they blew the lead in Florida. Ever since then, it was downhill. Like really, if you look at it, that was miserable second half. That that was what did it. After after that game, it was just like there was something changed. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just that they lost confidence. I don't know what it was, but that's probably don't tell. But anyways, um, pulling out my spurrier there. But anyways, uh, we're gonna get into um, now, quick did you recap. See the shot that spurrier took it must champ today. Yeah, today or not today this week <laughs> uh, about the contract thing. <laughs> about him making a 
making a fortune off of getting fired or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. William Spurs is always going to have something to say. Um, but anyways, I said it again. Um, we are going to get into a quick recap of Missouri, then break down Georgia, and then we've been talking about the firing. And then after that, we're going to get into actual candidates for the job and who's looking like they've got some momentum right now. Uh, but when it comes down to Missouri, um, I mean, really, I think the only – well, there's a couple things I want to talk about. One, defense look better. Yeah, I was going to say, one is the defense. Like, you're trying to tell me that there wasn't some type of problem with that defense. You lost the, one of the best corners in the country because I truly believe J.C. Horn's one of the best corners in the country. Nkwamu, I don't think you're missing much there. Nkwamu's made his career off of the Georgia game last year when he had three interceptions. Um I don't think it was smart for him to opt out personally. I think he, well, I think he was hurt for this year, but I don't think he's going to get drafted very high um, because his play other than that has not been very uh, impressive. But, I mean, I'll be pulling for him. I'll pull for any guy that played for Carolina, but I just I don't think that he's going to be a very high draft pick, and he, he makes me nervous for the pros. But uh, looking at the Missouri game, though, the defense played a lot better. I mean, the second half, they didn't give up a single point. I mean, it was very impressive in my opinion. They played more aggressively. Um, tackling was better. It was just encouraging to see. Now, by no means do I think that T. Rob should be on the staff next year in any way. But it was encouraging to see him actually like put together a good defense for a game. Wouldn't you think, Spencer? No, if it was that Muschamp was getting too involved, but I mean, that defense looked completely different especially in that second half than we have seen in well over a year probably so yeah and, and really i think one of the biggest things is they looked loose they didn't look up tight i think Muschamp one i think it just kind of made them a little skittish out there but two i i don't know enough about scheme to really talk about this much but i wonder if this week if they simplified that defense a lot and just told Which guys to you know, go out and make some plays. That could have been what it was. Big of a defensive guru, must champ is supposed to be. He might have been running a defense that was way too above their heads. Exactly, and honestly, like I think trying to. I think there were times where Muschamp was too smart for his own good. Because football wise, he is a very smart person. Like he knows that because he knows. And I just think sometimes he may have been too smart for his own good. Because in college footballs, a lot of times the best defenses are very simple schemes where you just tell guys, "Hey, go out and make a play." And they do. They have fun with it. Defense in college football has to be fun. they got to have fun with it. The more fun they have, the more juiced up they get, the harder they hit, the more plays they make. And uh, that looked. I saw more of that, I thought, on um, Saturday night than I'd seen really other than probably the Auburn game. And the Auburn game was essentially just J.C. Horn dominating because they kept throwing at him for some reason. Yeah, I still haven't figured that out why Auburn yeah. kept doing that. but <laughs> Yeah. Um, but then to what's been the hot topic this week is Luke Doty. Uh, I mean, Why has he not been on the field all year, Bobo? I think a lot of people are questioning that. Uh, I think a lot of people are if questioning that before. If he's been on the field all year, Muschamp might still, be getting, uh, might still have a job. Well, in that case, maybe Bobo did us a favor. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but, of course, Muschamp, I wouldn't be complaining about getting paid $275,000 a month for the next four years not to work. All right, but. you're going to have to stop worrying about the buyout number over here. We can't yeah, do anything about I'm it now. Saying. No, I wouldn't be. Shoot, that's better than paying it in a lump sum. Now we can at least go drop some money on a new coach. Uh, but Doty, he impressed me. Now, was he perfect? Not by any means. No. He wasn't. But we couldn't expect him to be. One, he is still a true freshman, and two, he missed his spring practice for the most part because of COVID, and three, he hadn't been getting first-team reps. He's been getting just reps in his little special package that they've given him for the most part. And his first game, I'm not well, it wasn't a start, but first game he gets thrown in for legitimate, legitimate amount of plays was against. Now, no Missouri's not one of the top-tier SEC, but it's still an SEC defense, which is never a slouch. So, yeah. and he went 14, what, 14 to 23 for 130 or 140 yards? Tell you what, I knew he was fast, but man, he was fast and quick. 
agile. Like I, I knew he, like I said, I knew he was fast, but I was not expecting it. When I first saw him make his first real scramble and cut, I was impressed. Like he could move. Let's see how many rushes did he have? How many rushing attempts? Eleven. For what? See, I would almost like to see that number a little bit higher. Well, here's the thing with him, though. If you watch him when he's if playing... If are designed runs. Well, here's the thing, though. If you're watching, though, he he doesn't run as well on the designed runs. Designed runs, it's not like he's bad or anything, but it's usually like four to five yards, which is good play. But his scrambles is where he really makes crazy stuff happen. I don't know what it is. It may just be that he's in high school, and when the play broke down, he could scramble most of the time. He didn't have as many designed runs, so um, probably something that will come with more... Um, experience, but I don't know. He impressed me. And he impressed me throwing the ball too. Now he needs to work on his deep ball. I think a lot of that was adrenaline because most of them were overthrown. But really, other than that, he was a very accurate passer, um, considering. And he was going through his reads. He's going through his progressions. Uh, I mean, yeah, he just, he he never really made any of the terrible mistakes that you would expect a quarterback, young guy, freshman. First game against the SEC defense. He never made any of the big-time bad mistakes, except for that one pick at the end where he threw it right to the guy. Yeah, and I think... That was the only glaring mistake he made all night. And that one... Which will be interesting to watch next week, because, I mean, it sealed the game for Missouri. How can he react to that with a top... What, they get ranked today, Georgia? They're number six. No, they're not that high, are they? The team coming in. How are you going to react with the team of that caliber coming in, coming off a mistake that you made that ended the game? That's just one thing that I'd be interested to watch how he reacts to that. And so, so Georgia's thirteen. Um, okay, thirteen. Well, they've lost two games. Are, but, well, yeah, they lost two games. So, but uh, I th- I'm not too worried about the interception because one dude he still looked very loose in the press conference after the game because. Believe it or not, freshmen are capable of speaking to the media, unlike a former coach seemed to think. Um, but he looked very loose after the game, and uh, that the thing about that play was one. I think he just didn't see the guy. It wasn't like it was a bad decision in the sense of he threw it in a tight window. I think he just truly really didn't see him, uh, and so I think that makes a difference. But two, he had not been a part of a two-minute drill before. Even if we complete that pass, it was going to be tough to win because we were, we had wasted a lot of time. Um, I think part of that's, one, that we just seemed to lack some urgency sometimes in those situations. But two, I think, was even getting the play calls in, since he had never been in that situation before, it was harder on him to do the hurry up because he just hadn't experienced it. Um, but then three, I think it was a great experience for him because at South Carolina to win, you're going to have to win a lot of close games. You're not going to blow a lot of teams out. He's going to be in that situation again, uh, whether it's this year or not, because we only got two more games this year. I don't know what these games are going to look like, but in the future, if he's our starter, he's going to be in a lot of those situations. And so to get that experience this year in a year where if we lose a game, I mean, yes, we want to win, but if we lose a game this year, this year is essentially a lost year at this point for us. Yep. Get him that experience now. Give him film to watch all off season. Give him things to work on during the spring training and then uh, fall camp and all and summer camp and all that. Um, and I think it'll help him come next season. So I was I was happy with it. I mean, obviously, I would have loved to see him go down and lead us to a game time drive there. I will also say that long term, it may be best that he didn't for him because if he had done that, he had, I mean, the expectations of him are already through the roof. If he had been that, it would have been through the stratosphere. I mean, we've no, already no. got guys saying that he's Connor Shaw. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,. I, I mean, I see potential there, obviously, but that's just almost not fair to him to sit there and try to compare him to who I say is the best yeah, quarterback in school history. To a guy who has never lost a game at home. <laughs> Which Doty still hasn't either because he didn't start the game. No, he starts against Georgia this week, which isn't looking <laughs> super hot for him. But um, we'll actually take that kind of lead us right into the Georgia game. I was about to say, yeah, I'm not too worried because, I mean, Georgia doesn't have a stellar defense. Now, it's not mm, pretty terrible. good defense. It's not terrible, but it's not, I don't know. I just, I could see it being pretty close. Do I think we'll win? No. I mean, Bobo has not officially named a starter, but there are reports out there that uh, 
Doty took all of the first team reps in practice day and has been named the starter behind the scenes. Um, I choose to, I believe those reports are accurate. I don't see how Bobo could trot Colin Hill out there after benching him and seeing Doty provide the spark. I just don't. I mean, uh, I, I just don't see it. He marches Colin Hill out there. I just don't he think it's possible. Lose the fan base. Now it's only two more games that he's going to be coaching. Hopefully, unless but, um, he's coordinator next year. I mean, you, you, he he cannot march Colin Hill out there. And I don't think there's any chance he will. But I will tell you, going into this game. I think we've got a chance. No, I don't think it's a great chance, but I think we have a chance because I think Doty just... He's the type of guy that I think he gives you a chance to win any game because he's such an electric player. Um, even if nothing's there in the passing game, he's tough to bring down. He's elusive. Like, you just have him run it 40 times along with Kevin Harris, and I think you have a small chance. don't think it's going to happen, but I think you have a small chance. It hurts us a lot that Shai Smith's most likely out. Um but I'll tell you that I would feel a lot better about our chances had JT Daniels not gotten the start for Georgia last week and kind of lit it up. <laughs> um, I mean, let me pull up his numbers from last week. He he looked a lot better than anything else that uh, Georgia has had this year. So last week, I mean, he was 28 of 38 for 401 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, before that, the quarterback was a very big weakness for them. I don't know how it took so long for him to start. Maybe he just wasn't healthy yet. I, I don't know. But that makes me nervous. I think there's a chance that they put up a lot of points. Because earlier this year, I thought, honestly, even when Muschamp was still here and things were looking down, I thought we'd play Georgia pretty close because they just weren't putting up many points on anybody. I mean, like, they beat Kentucky, I think, like, 14-3 to three or something. So I thought we'd be able to keep it close then. Um, I think we'll be able to put up more points on them now, but I also think that it's going to be tough to stop that offense. But we'll see. I mean... It's going to be one of those, I think, that could possibly it could get into one of those shootouts where whoever has the ball last might be the winner. Well, maybe. I don't know if I'd go that far just because... I mean, this is Doty's first official start, and he's playing Georgia. We can't expect him to go up and put up forty something points. You and got maybe Kevin maybe, Harris too. You got Kevin Harris too. I mean, I hope he does. I hope we go out and run, put, run, run, run. I hope we go put up forty something points, but I, I'm not very confident in that. I think for us to win this game, I think we're going to need to hold Georgia to under. And that too. One, one. I mean, another again a game plan that I might would consider especially after last week for Georgia, I would consider, and I mean, I know you're going you're gonna to have to let Doty throw it some, but just run the ball and just keep the clock running and let him throw it some. But, I mean, try to keep the clock running as much as possible. Well, I mean, I think if you get the run going, then keep that's it out of their hands. definitely the ideal case. But then you have, like, Missouri shut down the run game last week. They did. They, yeah. they, they made it to where we were going to have to beat them through the air. And... I think teams are crazy if they don't do that for us. Because, I mean, Doty can come out there and play incredibly. And we still just don't have a lot of receiver right now. Um, yeah. Now, I will say this about Doty, too. When he came on that field, I don't know if you noticed it watching it or not, but he made the rest of the team play better. Like, I don't know. I don't think it's that they were intentionally playing poorly with Colin Hill back there, but it gave them a morale boost. If you notice, every time he got knocked down, every single offensive lineman was going to help him up. Receivers were catching balls that they were not been catching before. Even the defense played better. I mean, they gave up 17 points in the first half, none in the second. He just provided that spark um, that I, I think will carry That's over what some. what happens when you have a true leader. Yeah, because he is I mean, that type of guy. He's got, a he's got a personality just from what I've seen where, I mean, he expects a lot from the guys that are playing around him. And to me at least, when you've got a guy leading your offense, that not only feeds the offense, but it makes that defense want to step up. Yeah, and actually give that offense a chance to go out and win them a ball game. Mm -hmm. And uh, going back to your point too about running the ball, I think if they, if you're able to do it, then yes, stick to that game plan. But I think there's a chance Georgia says you got to beat us through the air. If that's the case, we're gonna have to beat them through the air, and you got to just take take what they give you, and um, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to stretch the field to get the running game going. Because um, if I'm Georgia, if I'm Georgia, that's what I'm doing. I'm making us beat us beat us through the air before anything else. 
Um, which, side note, I've seen some concern. I don't think this is going to happen. But there's people out there concerned that uh, Muschamp's going to go and give Georgia all some information about our team no. because his son plays for him. I don't think it's true. Nah. I don't think that'll happen. I think he's got more integrity than that. But I have I've seen some people speculating about that. I, I, he I does don't think that, and he'll never get another coordinator job position. I, uh, I don't. Coach. Think, I don't think. I think he's got too much integrity for that. I mean, you got to remember he's he has relationships. He has he has relationships with all these kids. He he doesn't want them to fail. Um. Even if he's upset with the school, he doesn't want the kids to fail. But uh, it's going to take a very good game. I think we need to hold Georgia to under 30 points to have any type of chance to win. Um, could be wrong on that, but I, I, I think for us to have any shot, we got to hold him to under 30. Oh, we're going to go ahead with our score predictions. <laughs> I guess I thought that you had more thoughts on it, but I guess you didn't. <laughs> no, no. no. Um, all right, yeah, we'll go to score predictions. Um, you can go first because I'm still thinking of mine. Yeah, it's tough. I'm going to say... I'll go 35-27, Georgia. Okay. It's kind of similar to what I was thinking. I'm going to go 38-24, to Georgia. Um, you know, in all honesty, right. if we can make it a competitive game in the fourth quarter, that's what you want because then you can give yourself the chance to pull out the win. And again, it's give Doty more practice in a close game in the fourth quarter. That's what you want right now. It's really just experience for him and the rest of the team. Um, all right, do we? Do you have any other games scheduled for us to pick for this week, or do you, are we taking a week off from that, Spencer? No, I've got the SEC and then three more. Okay. So the first one up's Kentucky at Florida. I'm going Florida. Yeah, Florida. I don't think we need to even discuss that one too much. Florida's offense, I think, is just too good for Kentucky to keep up with. Yep. And then Vandy at Missouri. I'm going to go Missouri. Although I will say Vandy's been more competitive than I thought they'd be these last few weeks. So Missouri. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. And then, probably the uh, well, not probably. This is always the game of the week in the SEC. Auburn at Alabama. Yeah, I don't I'm think there's going, any. Yeah, I'm going Alabama. Yeah, I mean Auburn sometimes finds ways to keep it close with them when they shouldn't, but I'm definitely going Alabama. And Mississippi State at Ole Miss. That's an I'm interesting. Going one. Yeah. I'm going to go Ole Miss, but it would not shock me at all. I'm going to go Ole Miss, too, but Mississippi State has um, looked better than I thought they would after they kind of hit that slump in the middle of the year. I mean, they they took it to Georgia last week. They almost beat them. And then LSU at Texas A&M, that is the round out for the last game. What happened? Why are Tennessee and Arkansas not playing? Is it just a bye week? That are... I don't. I don't know if they got canceled or what. I think there's. I want to say I could be wrong on this, but I want to say there may be COVID issues at Tennessee because I think I read that there is a. Uh, I think I read that there is a chance even the Tennessee Vandy game gets postponed. Next week. Hmm. So I think it's COVID issues, but I could be wrong. Okay, and then I'm gonna go Texas A&M as well. Then we got Pitt at Clemson. Clemson. You know, I'm going to choose Clemson here, but I will say that I would not be completely shocked if if Pittsburgh pulls out this upset because Clemson can't stop worrying about Florida State. (laughs) I mean, come on. What was it that he said today? Dabo wasn't worried about anything that comes out of Tallahassee because they've been through three coaches in the last how many, like eight years or 12 years? Here's the thing. Clemson had a guy that had shown symptoms throughout the week. Yes, he had tested negative, but he had shown symptoms. They put him on a plane with the rest of the team and continued to practice him all week. Then when he tests positive, plays the victim because Florida State don't want to play. Now, here's the thing. Florida State has not had a case since September. They're obviously doing something right when it comes to COVID stuff and their protocols. Why should they risk getting an outbreak on their team? Because you 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 were being stupid. But instead, Dabo wants to come over here and play the victim. 
act like, oh, everybody's against Clemson, and oh yeah, we're just this little little band of misfits over here. Everybody doubts us. Everybody's against us. No, you're an idiot. Okay, take responsibility, take accountability, say, you know what, we get it, and move on. But I'll tell you what, he's, this is what he's doing. He's telling them that they'll only play him now if they'll either come to Clemson or pay for Clemson to travel down to Tallahassee. That's what he's saying. Well, he knows the Florida State ain't going to do this because they, they lose too much money then. They, they're paying for an extra road game. Um, so he knows they're not going to do it. And what he's doing is then he can say, well, we offered for them to play us, and they said no. Again, he'll play the victim again. And then he gets that, because it would, re, it would be rescheduled for December 12th, he gets that as a bye week right before they play Notre Dame the next week in the ACC championship. That's all he's doing this for is to get that extra bye week. Am, am I wrong? Oh, no. I mean... No, but I do think he is pretty smart when because it, it doesn't matter what it is. He does play victim, but... It always, in my opinion, at least helps the team out because it makes it seem to everybody around the country that they're doubted and they're all always. I mean, they hadn't missed the playoff in how many years? You know, that's it's a it's a it's a good coaching move. As much as I hate to see it, it's a good coaching move. I mean, it's good in for their team. Opinion. I will disagree that the national folks buy it all up. I, I think people are starting to catch on to the act. I mean, I've seen a lot of people. Getting really upset with Dabo and his comments on this on the COVID stuff right now. Um, I mean, you got to remember this is the same team that had a guy that couldn't play because of COVID yet had him on the sideline with his mask off. <laughs> I mean, really, like that's like it's just the optics of it are so bad. This is a guy that when that same thing was happening, got mad at the refs, took his mask off, and got in the refs' face and was yelling at it. Like he doesn't consider the way this looks and. Whether people agree with the COVID being as big of a deal as it is or not, the fact of the matter is, there are people that have, are, have died from it. It is a problem in the country. Again, whether you think it's a, like, now to me, if if a 20-year-old uh, football player gets it, I, I think they're probably completely fine. I do. Oh, yeah. But these it's referees, these referees are not always in 20-year-old college students that are always going to be completely fine. These college students see people that are at higher risk. Like, you have to think about that. And even if you don't care about it for yourself, you're still a national figure. You have to think about the way things look. And right now, I think a lot of people are getting frustrated with Dabo because of his comments on the COVID stuff, um, with some of the stuff that happened back over the summer with um, the political um, comments that he made. Uh, he, I just think, I think a lot of people are getting tired of his act. And they're realizing that what he tries to portray is not always true um, and how he's living. Um, or not how he's living, I don't want to say that. How he's coaching um, and how he's leading his team. Because right now he seems to play the role where everything, everybody's a victim on their team. Everybody doubts him when, no, they've lost a game and somehow they're still ranked number three in the country right now. Or ahead of Ohio State. Yes, Ohio State's played less games, but they've got a better win than Clemson's got. They beat Indiana, which I would have never thought at the beginning of the year that I would say Indiana was a better win than anybody else has had. But (laughs) I mean, who's Clemson's best win? Boston College? Boston College. (laughs) I mean, come on. And they'll they'll say, well, we didn't have Trevor Lawrence against... Notre Dame. You're right, you didn't, but your quarterback threw for like 400-something yards. I don't think Trevor Lawrence was going to make as huge of a difference as it would be if they just no, got blown out or something. Game, how many, I think they allow, what, 44 points or something in that game? That's on defense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm frustrated with Clemson. I mean, I've been frustrated with Clemson my whole life, but especially with just kind of the way they've been acting about a few things. Like, the, believe it or not, the world's not always out to get you. In fact, the world favors you about 99% of the time, Clemson. Just get over yourselves. Just be quiet and shut up for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's I'm tired of the act. I've been tired of it for a long time, but I just I'm ready to beat him. Can we somebody can we please just beat him eventually? <laughs> I can't wait to see the look on his face after cuz it'll happen eventually. It's going to happen at some point. It may be a waste on the road, but it will happen eventually. And I can't wait to see the look on his face when that happens. 
Anyways, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop my Clemson right So, the next game we've got <laughs> is Notre Dame and at North Carolina. I'm going to go Notre Dame. I mean, I think they're going to be high. I mean, they're coming in high. I just hope they don't come in too, too high. Getting I... that ranked number two, but... I'm the, I mean, they they can see they've got they've got something to play for this year. I mean, they know if they can get to that championship game and beat Clemson one more time, as tough as that's going to be. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna have a legitimate shot at the national championship. I think. I don't so. want this to happen, but I'm gonna pick North Carolina in the upset. I think they've got. I mean, Sam Howell is great. No, North Carolina's defense this year is not very good, so that'll be interesting. But I'm going to pick North yeah, Carolina. Yeah, I mean, that, it wouldn't shock me if North Carolina wins. But I think that – well, because you got to remember, too, that Notre Dame's at the point now where they just can't lose two games for sure. If they if they lose this game and they then they go and beat Clemson again, they're in the playoff. Um, Now, the, the flip side of that is if they can win out in the regular season, even if they lose to Clemson in the ACC championship, they could possibly still get in. Um, but I don't know. I, I know Notre Dame beat Clemson, but I just still don't have a whole lot of confidence in them. Okay. And our final game is Iowa State at Texas. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Texas. I'm going to go with Iowa State, but I think that's a tough one to pick. I mean, Tom Herman keeps winning just enough to keep him around in Texas. Let me see. This one was a pretty good... From what I remember, it was two ranked teams. What are they ranked? Iowa State. I mean, this is going to be a close game, I think. Yeah, Texas is 20, Iowa State is 15, so... Okay, but that's all the games that I've got for us to pick this week. Hey, last episode, too, we we all did pretty good. You actually... You only missed one game, I think. Hey! What did y'all miss? I missed – you got the Liberty game, right? Liberty, Virginia Tech. I missed Liberty, Virginia Tech. So did Garrett. Me and Garrett both missed Clemson. And Garrett actually came in dead last. He missed three games. <laughs> he missed the Georgia-Florida game. Look at me actually winning a week. <laughs> All right. All right, so now we're going to get into a uh... – little bit of a coaching search update. Um, one second. Let me get something put on. Just right off the bat, though, it doesn't look like we're going to get Monkin or whatever his name no, is no, from no. Army. Thank God. We yeah, don't want the wing T triple option. No, yeah. So the Scott report came Smith out yesterday that his name out. the report yesterday was um, I want to make sure I say the right one. I believe it's Jeff Munkin is the one at Army because there's Todd Munkin who too who's a he used to be the offensive coordinator at Georgia. Um, I believe it's Jeff though that's the one at Army. Um, the reports came out yesterday that he was actually a strong candidate, um, and Ray Tanner. Very quickly heard from a lot of people on that, and about three hours later, it came out that he was no longer a strong candidate. Uh, so that goes to show you kind of what the power of some fans could have. Um, I think if they had tried to make that hire, he would have gotten the Greg Schiano at Tennessee treatment. Oh, um, yeah. And he would have completely that. tanked it anyway. So glad we don't really seem to have to worry about that too much anymore. That, that, said that is one of the few things where, and you'll probably agree with me on this, hiring him most people that give money to the school would honestly probably rather have Will Muschamp. Oh, yeah. I would have rather have Will Muschamp than a guy that runs a triple option. I mean, that triple option, that's just hard to watch. We would turn into Georgia Tech. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't think we have to worry about it. Now, I will say that there is a chance you'll hear his name come up um, because there's saying that uh, Castleman wants to give him just a courtesy interview, just kind of to help his resume, I guess. Um, because they're they're buddies, so we'll probably hear about him getting an interview. It's not going to go anywhere at this point, uh, so I think we can just scratch him off the list. Uh, the other name that kind of gained some steam earlier today was Scott Satterfield. Um, he has since come out and said that I will say he he says that he's not pursuing the job, but the way he worded his statement 
definitely left, I think, left the door open. Um, he never just straight up said that he would not be accepting a job. He said he is the Louisville football coach or something. I don't want him. Okay, he's 3-6 and six this year. He's not a strong recruiter. I just don't think he'd be a good fit at South Carolina. Um, but I will say that I, I, I would say the door on him, we could almost close it, but you have to leave it cracked just a little bit because I think there is a small chance that it could open back up. But I think ultimately this um, search is going to come down to four names, and that's going to be Shane Beamer, Billy Napier, Jamie Chadwell, and there's still, I think, a slight chance of Hugh Freeze. Um, I think Hugh Freeze is a distance for, distant fourth there on possibilities. Yeah, ever since, ever since the um, contract extension at Liberty, he's kind of... Well, I don't even think that necessarily had much to do with that. I think it was really a lot of... Yeah, I mean, the Greg Sankey's got a lot to do with it, too. I don't think he's going to let him back in. even if No, he, they, they have said that he'll let him back or in. They, they said that he, they would let him in? They would let him back in. Um, but here's my thing. There's been nothing that he's shown that shows me he can recruit well without cheating. And everybody's cheating. I'm not trying to say they're not. But the NCAA is going to be watching him closely to where it's going to make it really tough to get away with it. And I just I don't think he's going to be the best hire for multiple reasons, but that's that's one of my biggest ones. Um, but I don't I don't think he's going to get the job. If he gets it, I'll pull for him, and I'll want him to be successful. And I think he has a chance of being successful. But I, I think he's a pretty distant fourth on getting it right now anyways. Um, I think the two front runners currently are Shane Beamer and Billy Napier, uh, with Jamie Chadwell kind of as the dark horse um, that has actually a, a real shot at it still. There's reports out there. There's rumors. They have not been um, confirmed that Ray Tanner and another member of the athletic department drove down to Merle's Inlet and actually interviewed Chadwell in person just a couple days ago. Again, can't confirm if those are true or not, but just those reports are out there. Those rumors are out there. Um Chadwell's intriguing to me. I think he's a I think he would call a good offense. I think it's a offense that's not guaranteed to work in the SEC, but if it does, I think it's very innovative and will be successful. The concern with him is he's never been involved at the power five level at all. And so we don't know if he really knows what it takes to recruit at that level and if he would be successful there. Um Spencer, do you have thoughts on him? Not well, it's just really with me. I want it to be one of those three guys. Yeah. Because I don't think – I mean, you're going to get the fan base behind either of the three of them. So I don't really think there's a way that you can go wrong. You just – you've got to get one of those three. That's just how I see it. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and with me, I wouldn't – I would not be frustrated with any of the three of them. You've just got to get one of those three. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that brings us to Billy Napier. Um He's one that he would personally be the one that I want. Just I like Napier a lot. Um, he'd be my number two. Clemson, but... He feels like he was wronged by Dabo, from what I've read. He's got a lot of animosity to him about Clemson. So the thing about Napier is one: there's been a few reports that have come out that have said that he may not be as interested in the job as we first thought. Um, honestly, he was when the job opened up. I thought that he was just a shoe in for it. Like I thought it was going to be. Just the formality, some of the interviews, I thought that he was going to be the clear frontrunner for it. I don't think that's ever been the case. I don't think he was ever the clear number one frontrunner based off of things I've read. Um, I think he's been a frontrunner. I think he's been at the top of the list, but I don't think he's been the clear number one like I expected him to be. I think Napier is a would be a good choice. He's a good recruiter, has experience in the state. Um, I think he's a safer choice of the three. But I also don't think he has... I think he has possibly the lowest ceiling of the three. I like Napier a lot. I just question if he could really win championships here. And that's not a knock against him. I think it's very hard for somebody to win a championship. Like any, I mean, look at... We've won one conference championship ever and one division title. It's not an easy task to win championships here. He could be a great coach and win eight or nine games. And again, that's fine. But the goal needs to be to eventually win some championships. Yeah, you. I mean, our best team in school history won 11 games and did not even win the division. Yeah. So, I mean, it's tough. Um, 
But I would be, I mean, I'll be happy with a Napier hire because I think, I'm not saying that he can't win a championship. I'm just saying that I don't see it as clearly with him. I see him as having a lower ceiling. But I'd be happy with it. I think that he would be the safer hire and he could absolutely prove me wrong on the championship um, aspect. But who I think is the front runner right now behind the scenes is Shane Beamer. Um, and that's my personal number one. Now, people are held up with him because he hasn't been a head coach before and he hasn't even been a coordinator. First of all, I think the coordinator argument is stupid. He's not coming in. He doesn't want to call his own plays. So it doesn't matter if he's been a coordinator or not. That part doesn't make any difference. I can see the head coach argument. But my counter argument would be that there are many successful head coaches that weren't head coaches before. Dabo. I mean, I hate to say it, but Dabo. Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma that's Shane Beamer's the assistant head coach for. Ryan Day and at Ohio State. I mean, these are all three guys that are people would say are probably top five, top six college football coaches in the country. None of them were head coaches before this job. Well, and then the other argument people are going to say, well, they were promoted from within. Yes, they were promoted from within. And no Shane Beamer is not at South Carolina right now, but he was at South Carolina under their most successful regime, under Spurrier. Okay, so he understands what it takes to win at South Carolina. He He's experienced it. They're saying that he has put together a five-year plan specifically for South Carolina, not just a general plan, but specifically for our school on how to get us to championships. And that's where his side is at, is it championships, not to get us to eight wins in a year. It's to get us championships back to um, South Carolina. And so to me... That right there is exciting. Uh, just that somebody's coming in with that is his goal from the beginning. He's not coming in going to be happy with seven or eight wins in a year. Number two, he's got experience in the state, and he's got experience all across these big jobs. He's worked under Steve Spurrier. He's worked under his dad, Frank Beamer. He's worked under Kirby Smart. He's worked under Lincoln Riley. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few stops that he had in there too, but those are all big-time coaches that are good to learn from. And who's not in there, as I don't believe he's ever worked for Nick Saban, and I love that because I'm tired of the Nick Saban assistants. They've, they don't work out. They have not worked out. Um, and because Napier's, Napier's a former Saban assistant too, which is one of my things that I'm not as big of a fan of with him. But um, Beamer's also very well connected. He's worked with so many different places that – He's got all these other connections in the coaching world that he could put together a very strong staff. I mean, he's got connections all across the country. Um, but possibly kind of what brings this all together is South Carolina truly is his dream school, which no, that doesn't qualify him for there. He's got other qualifications. Two, all these former players want him there they're pushing for him. They're going to be united around him. That's going to help you in recruiting right there. If you have got former players that are willing to come and help you recruit, that's huge. He's got the passion that I think is going to – when he goes and speaks in that introductory press conference, if he wins, I think it's going to be very evident how much he loves the University of South Carolina and wants to be in Columbia. When you see that, it's going to fire some fans up. I mean, look at Sam Pittman in Arkansas. He came and he was fired up to be a coach at Arkansas. And those fan base rallied around him. And look what they're doing. I mean, they're not world beaters by anything this year, but they look way better than anybody expected them to. I mean, this is a team that had not won an SEC game, I think, since 2017. Now they're competitive in almost every game they play. Um, so there, there's many, th- again, and Sam Pittman also had never been a head coach before. Or a coordinator, by the way. Um, I just think there's a lot that shows that Shane Beamer, Shane Beamer would be a good hire. Is it a risk? Absolutely. I'm not sitting there saying that he's like a guaranteed home run, but none of these guys are. It is absolutely a risk, but I think he also gives you the highest ceiling of any of them. And to me, if you're South Carolina right now, <clears throat> with your rival, constant, your two biggest rivals constantly pushing for national championships, with yourself playing in the SEC, you're in just kind of a hole right now, but you're still close enough to the Spurrier years that people remember you being competitive. I think the way that you have to go with it is go with the guy that gives you the highest chance to win a championship. 
And I think that he gives you the highest ceiling. He's also the highest risk. But, like I said, all these guys are risk. There's a very real chance with each one of them that five years from now we're sitting here talking about another coaching search because we moved on. So why not go with the guy who gives you the highest chance? If it doesn't work out, five years from now you try it again. I mean, really. That's where we're at. Yeah. How much worse could it be? <laughs> I yeah. mean, we're, we're at the bottom of the barrel right now. Yeah. There's nowhere to go but up. So, I mean, it is what it is. I think I think if I, my prediction is right now, I think Shane Beamer is the head coach next year. Um, and I would, honestly, I'm at the point now where I would be kind of shocked if it was someone other than him. Because the momentum all seems to be going his way. And I think he'd be a really good fit. You got any other final thoughts before we wrap when up? Does the, when does the early signing period start? Oh, yeah, we're in trouble there because we've already had four guys decommit this week. It's like December. No, but because – Ray Tanner was saying that he would like to have a hire in place. I want to say it's December 16th, but I could be wrong. And that's when it wins conference championships. The 19th. Yeah. So. At least the SEC one is. I don't know about all the other conferences. They may be different. See, that's another one that makes it seem like it's going to be pointing to Shane Beamer. Yeah. Because if he if Ray Tanner is wanting to have a hire in place by the early signing period, you're not going to get a head coach to just straight up leave his team at that point in the year like would have to happen with Napier or Chadwell. Yeah, and also just just one thing. I mean, there's there's no way that I mean, you're not going to get a for sure definitive answer, but. That it's just that's just one thing to look at in my in my opinion. Yeah. That would point to Shane Beamer. Yeah, and honestly, I will say this: that if it is Beamer, it wouldn't shock me if he was hired within the next week or so. Wouldn't shock no, me. if it's gonna if he is eyeballing him, I think you've got to go ahead and pull the trigger now and try and get him in Columbia ASAP. Yeah. All right. Um. We'll be back next week with you, though. And if something happens crazy with the coaching search, we'll try to get a kind of emergency show out there. Um, but if not, we'll be back with you next week to recap the Georgia game and then preview Kentucky to put an end to this uh, interesting season we've had this year. Um, very, very interesting in mostly negative ways, but still interesting, I guess. Uh, but anyways, um, hopefully G-Money's back with us next week. Spencer, any <laughs> final words before we close out? Uh, no, just, I mean, basketball season's starting up, football's coming to an end. I think we got an exciting, maybe not wins, losses year for basketball, but just looking at the roster, we got a lot of young guys. So just this year, I know there's only a scrimmage this week and the games actually pick up Saturday, but it's going to be a fun year in basketball, I think. So we'll start talking about that in the near future. So that's just one thing to keep your eye out for as you're listening. So, but that's all I've got. All right, well, we'll see you all next week um, on Cocky's Corner. Go Cox!